Let's read this responsively. Lord's Day 9 of the Catechism, question and answer 26. What do you believe when you say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and everything in them, who still upholds and rules them, by his eternal counsel and providence, is my God and Father, for the sake of Christ his Son. I trust God so much that I do not doubt he will provide whatever I need for body and soul, and will turn to my good whatever adversity he sends upon me in this veil of tears. He is able to do this, Because he is almighty God, he desires to do this because he is a faithful father. Let's go to the Lord now and ask for the Spirit's help to understand and apply his word. Almighty and everlasting God, our heavenly father, we acknowledge that we are sinners conceived and born in sin and unable of ourselves to do any good. But we do repent of our sins and seek your grace to help us in our remaining weakness. Through the teaching of your word, which we confess with the church throughout the ages, satisfy our hunger and quench our thirst with your refreshing truth, that we with all our hearts may love and serve you with our Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, the one and only true God who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. We are in the section of our catechism that explains the different articles of the Apostles' Creed. And there are basically 12 articles. You know, I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son. Although the the Creed overall has the three parts, based on the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there are 12 little statements that we call articles. Articles of the Christian faith. And our catechism explains these things with some depth for us to understand what we are saying when we confess this together. And last week, we learned that this God is one essence in three persons. The great and profound mystery of our faith, the cornerstone, the anchor of our faith, without which nothing else makes any sense. He is one essence and three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when we look deeply into Scripture and begin to see how Scripture teaches us this doctrine, we discover two basic things about the Holy Trinity. First, we see that the three persons never act alone. The Father is never off doing His own thing, nor the Son nor the Holy Spirit. But they always act in perfect unity. The Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit. And yet, a second thing we discover in Scripture is that the three persons act distinctly. Though they act together in perfect harmony, according to that divine unity and oneness, nevertheless, it is true that what the Father does is distinct to the Father, as to the Son, as to the Holy Spirit. Each has a distinct function, if we could use that word in creation and in redemption. 
and so forth. So every act of God is the three persons acting together, and yet the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are also doing things particular to each person. And today, we see this in our Almighty Father. We're focusing on the Father. The Catechism draws out of Scripture three ways in which God is the Father. And the first is that He is the Father of Jesus Christ. He's the Father of Jesus Christ. The Catechism answer that we read there together speaks of God as the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is eternally the Father of His eternal Son. Let's just let that sit there for a moment. He is eternally the Father of His eternal Son. That is the ultimate reason why we call Him the Father. There are other reasons why we call him the Father. We'll get into some of those. But the ultimate reason why we speak of him as the Father is because he is the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen again from John 17, when Jesus himself speaks to his Father in prayer. He says, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory of that I had with you before the world existed. What a glimpse into the divine life of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Son of God shares the glory of His Father in a way that is outside of time. Because that glory which they shared predates time. There was no time when this glory was first experienced. It always has been. It boggles the mind. This is the great mystery of our faith that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit just are. They just are. God just is. And so when we speak of the glory of the Son and the glory of the Father, it just is. They have always shared this. Their relation is from before the world existing. There are lots of ways that the Bible speaks about God the Father. Just a sampling here, okay? This is Scripture, the divine Word of God, speaking about God the Father. Psalm 91 verse 4 says He's like a bird. That He gathered the people of Israel up in His pinions when He saved them out of Egypt. Psalm 95, verse 1, says that he is like a rock. Uh, There is no God like our rock. Okay, He's like a rock. God the Father is even described as a mother. Isaiah 66, verse 13, describes him as a mother drawing her children to to herself uh, to soothe them and to feed them. But you see, the Father isn't truly a bird or a rock or a mother. He's like those things. He does things that causes the biblical writers to think of those things. So they use these images to help us develop a uh, biblical imagination to understand how wonderful and saving he is, how powerful he is, how firm he is. But he is a father. He is the father. He is the father. He is the Father in a 
completely different way than he is a bird, a rock, a mother, and so forth. Okay, again, we make a distinction here. Scripture uses all kinds of images and metaphors to describe God the Father, but he just is the Father. That's who he is. And that is because he has never been without his Son. He can't be anything other than the Father. Because his Son has eternally existed. They share this relation world without end. And this means that there is an eternal love which flows from the Father to the Son, and from the Son to the Father with the Holy Spirit forever and ever. The Father overflows with almighty affection for the Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We believe, we confess together that we believe in God the Father Almighty, and He is the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, he's also the father of creation. In a different way than he is the father of Jesus Christ, but nevertheless, he is the father of creation. The catechism goes on to describe the father as the one who out of nothing created heaven and earth and everything in them and who still upholds and rules them by his eternal counsel and providence. In the New Testament letter of James, God is called the Father of lights, meaning the heavenly lights, the sun and the moon and the stars. All things, both visible and invisible, have come from him. They find their origin in him. And so in this way, he is the father of all creation. Kids, think about how God did this. Think about how God created all things. When you make something, you have to go get something else to make it. If you want to make a Play-Doh creation, you have to have Play-Doh. Uh, maybe you're the kind of family that makes your own Play-Doh. But you've got to go to the store and get some other things to make the Play-Doh. Let's say you want to draw a picture. You want to create a picture and give it to somebody. Well, you have to have paper and something to draw or paint with to make the picture. You never start with nothing... You always start with something when you create. But that's not how it was with God. God the Father created out of nothing all things. When God the Father created the universe, there was nothing else there with Him. It was God and God alone. The triune God, yes, but nothing else beside Him. No other gods, no devil, no eternal materials otherwise those things would be god too because they would be eternal there was nothing else and so god had no construction materials he had no water or earth or sun out of nothing and into nothing the father spoke powerfully by his word and spirit and all things came to be he spoke it was done and it continues to stand fast as he has spoken it. Uh, that's his eternal counsel and providence still governing this world. We are not deists. We don't believe God wound up the clock of the universe and now it's just going and he's walked away. We do not believe that at all. He is the father of creation. And he cherishes through his son and the Holy Spirit and governs tenderly and affectionately and powerfully the whole universe. This is meant to humble us as it humbled Job. 
We read from Job 38 earlier when God responds to Job's accusations. And we, like Job, are to look at the greatness and the danger and the beauty of creation. And it should stop our mouths before God the Father who created it all out of nothing but his word. He's the father of creation. But lastly, and perhaps more more personal and pertinent to us, he is your father. If you have believed savingly in his son, he is your father. The same father who is the eternal father of the son and the almighty maker of heaven and earth and all things. The catechism says is your father for the sake of Christ, his son. I want you to notice the very personal emphasis of our catechism. Um, we, we confessed a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about true faith, not only to others, but to me also, God has granted eternal righteousness. Okay, salvation is a very personal thing. It is meant to come and bring you comfort. You personally, it is a corporate thing, of course. We, we speak corporately of the church. But here again, we see this personal emphasis. He's my God and Father for the sake of Christ his Son. You do not need some other intercessor. You do not need the saints to stand in for Jesus to get you to Jesus, to get you to the Father. You do not need your own cleverness. You do not need some kind of awesome worship experience, which becomes its own kind of mediation into the presence of God. What you need is Jesus Christ revealed to you in his word. And he becomes, the Father becomes your Father. For the sake of Christ, the Son. Uh, some, some people have had the experience of having good fathers. And so this teaching about God being your father is easy to understand. And it's kind of immediately useful to you and comforting. But for many others, the relationship with their earthly dads has made it really difficult to find any comfort from this teaching. To see that God is your father becomes difficult. At least it becomes difficult to see how wonderful and and comforting and amazing it's supposed to be for you, how useful it's meant to be as you walk through this veil of tears. But Scripture would convince you that this is among the highest privileges that we have as the people of God. We've already learned that He is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, He, He is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that is just the nature of things. That's natural. God being the father of his son is just how it is. The father is God. The son is God. And with the Holy Spirit, these three enjoy an eternal union. And so it's natural to them. But you and I are not gods. And so it is not natural in this sense for us to be involved in the divine life. It is not a natural thing for us mere creatures and worse, sinners that we are, to be called the sons of God. And because that's our status, that we are mere creatures, mere mortals, not divine, and that we are sinners, God has to do something in order to bring this situation about. God has to do something to make us the sons and daughters of God. And that is exactly what he has done. 
In our reading from Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul basically says that you have two choices. You can be a slave or a son. You can be a slave or a son. A slave to sin, where, where sin and the devil are your horrible slave master until finally you perish eternally. Or you can be transferred into a new status where you become, male or female, a son of God through Jesus Christ. Those are the two options. Um, How do you become a son? Not by works. Not by works. Not all by works or even partly by works. It's not like God God the Son has given you all kinds of grace, and he's like taking you to the end of the course and the finish line's right there, and you just got to take one step yourself, and then you're the son. It's not like that at all. But Jesus Christ alone, by his grace and mercy, through his sacrifice, makes you a son of God. Only for the sake of Christ as son, as the catechism teaches. We become sons... Only when we share the same status as the Son. Righteous. You must be righteous as the Son is righteous. And holy as the Son is holy. And when this happens, when He gives you that status by faith alone, when He gives this to you, the Holy Spirit communicates to your soul that you are a child of God. That is what Paul says in Romans 8. The Spirit of God testifies to your spirit that we are the children of God, that we belong to the Father, that the love that the Father has for His Son is now shared with you. So as, as affectionately as He thinks about and interacts with His own Son, so now He acts and interacts with you as His son and daughter. Dear brothers and sisters, our God and Father has raised you up out of the grave. He's taken you up out of the dungeon. You're not a slave anymore if you believed in the Son of God. You're not a slave. You are a son. You've been raised up to be seated with Christ at the right hand of the Father. Spiritually, that is where your soul resides. You're at the right hand of God, sharing in the joy of fellowship with the Father. If that is your status then you should have no doubts that the Father loves you and nothing will separate you from that love. He has loved you with an everlasting love as he loves his own son. Let's let's say that you become convinced of this because this this takes some convincing for some of us that you are a child of God. But the question is, what practical benefit does it actually bring you? And the answer is that it brings you Immense strength in your weakness and assurance in your doubts. Because he's not just a loving father, he's a powerful father. Most earthly fathers will fall kind of uh, in, into one extreme or the other. They're powerful, they're not very loving. Maybe they're very loving and tender, but they're not very powerful. They, can't, uh, they don't have a backbone. That is not the case with the Father. He is perfectly loving and powerful. And when you become, through His Son, a child of God, by faith in Christ, His almighty power 
becomes yours. He lavishes his power upon you lovingly. He uses it now for your good. He turns even the worst parts of your life into your salvation. And this is meant to make a practical difference in your life because the one we're talking about here, he exhaled and we got Jupiter. You know, know, he can provide for your needs. If he has spoken out of nothing and into nothing and created all the world, he can provide for your needs because he's almighty God. And he desires to do this because he is a faithful father. He is loving and he is powerful. The catechism goes on to say, and it will explain next week in in, uh, the doctrine of providence, how he turns to your good whatever adversity he sends upon you in this veil of tears. Notice there where the adversity comes from. He sends it. Because he's a good father, he knows. He knows how to do this. And he will turn all that adversity to your good and to your salvation so that we can say with Catechism Answer 1, all things work together for my salvation. The good and the bad, the very worst things, all this heartache in the world, God will turn. And that is to bring you wonderful security day in and day out. As you walk through this valley of shadow of death, this veil of tears, God is able to turn the darkest things of this life into salvation. How do you know? You must look to the cross. If he has turned the worst, the the absolute worst thing that has ever happened in this world into your salvation, then he can turn the things of your life for your salvation as well. He has powerfully turned the cross of Golgotha into a token of your salvation. How will, how will he not also graciously give you all things through his son? He is able to do this because he is almighty God. He desires to do this because he is a faithful father. He's the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the father of lights. And by faith in his son, he is your father as well. Amen. Let us pray.